0: hey what's up nerds and now back by popular demand it's time for the top five list
1: all right and welcome to another episode of best frenemies
2: number eight the wreath of Khan. this um i just want to say so when we were discussing our top five list for december yours uh with top five favorite Christmas movies, and I nixed that promptly.
1: Because uh, Kung Fu Panda did
2: not do a Christmas special. (laughs) Yeah, a little recap. Um, Actually, I think they did do a Christmas special. But anywho, uh, dude got a lot of blowback for Kung Fu Panda.
1: (laughs) It was a glorious month for me. Um, People were sending me uh, altered pictures of the poster with Chris's face, in Kung Fu Panda was amazing.
2: It, uh, you know what? I stand by my picks. So, (laughs) screw all of you. Um, I think Coach Jeff was particularly disappointed and actually Wendell said he was listening to it in the car. And when I gave my list, he was like, out loud, he said, Chris, I lost all respect for you. Yeah. I stand by my picks. He
1: stands by his picks. Yeah, so we're going to (laughs) go... We're going to go a little different on um, this top five. We're going to do, why don't you tell them what we're going to do?
2: We are doing our top five favorite Christmas gifts ever.
1: Yes, and let me just, and I agreed to do this, but but I have a little bit of a grudge because my birthday is December 14th, and anyone born in December knows that the combination Christmas birthday present is bullshit. They're like, oh, well, you just get one bigger one. And it's like, oh, really? By bigger, you mean uh, five extra dollars you put into it? Because I don't know a lot of people getting birthday presents that cost $5.
2: Um, So I'm picking up a pattern from uh, doing this podcast with you. Is that you have many resentments and grudges and things that I feel you need to work through.
1: Chris, I, I picture one day... um being 103 years old, and the nurses looking at each other going,
2: he's just too angry to die, I, I, you know? <laughs> I'm staying alive because everyone <laughs> says you should be dead. They, no, fuck you, I'm staying alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Anger is a, anger is a good driving factor. It's like oxygen, I just need it. All right, <laughs> well, why don't you start out, since you have many grudges, go ahead and give <laughs> us your number five.
1: Okay, um, coming in at number five for me, I remember this Christmas so vividly because uh, my family would make fun of it for years. Um, I demanded, with no musical talent, that uh, I saw the commercials on TV and I had to have it. It was these four boxes with circles in the middle. It was Panasonic drums. <laughs> and so how old were you? I did. I was. Uh, I was probably in fifth grade, and I just had to have them. And I played with them for like probably a week and then just <laughs> started collecting dust but uh when i was 21 i found them in a box and i put them on and my brother was just, was just laughing because it, it was they would dude electric drums back then were not how they are now it was like <laughs> they were horrible but i loved them for the week so that's why it's coming <laughs> so in for one week yeah they were killer
2: yeah all right um probably got them for my birthday on top of that okay so, was it a Christmas gift or was it a birthday gift?
1: Mine count as both, apparently. So,
2: moving on. All right. So, <clears throat> my number five uh, was 1982. I was in Granbury, Texas, visiting my grandparents, <laughs> and uh, I got a sleeping bag.
1: Wait, I, what?
2: I know. Let me explain it. So, the sleeping bag it was had red interior. And it was brown on the outside. My brother got a blue interior, brown on the outside. I have so many... Well, actually, I have fond memories because <clears> this <throat> sleeping bag carried me through my adolescence. I had sex in that sleeping bag multiple times. I mean, it was fantastic. And
1: sometimes with a girl.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, dude... And then when my wife had kicked me out of the house... um, Oh,
1: shit. That was your house, Jim. Dude.
2: I had my sleeping bag. In your car. But the thing is, so finally, so when I got clean, I was 29. I think it was that point that I threw the sleeping bag away because I was um, having night sweats in it. And (laughs) so it was drenched and it just turned really stinky. And like, I didn't have access to like a, a washing machine at that point. So it was like... I'm sorry, sleeping bag. <laughs> you got to go. So this sleeping bag carried me through a lot of good times and a lot of bad times. So anyway, that comes in at number five.
1: Okay, nice.
2: Okay, number four for me.
1: I uh, I remember this vividly. I had just gotten out of uh, reform school from the lovely schools of... Uh, the Donnie and Marie Osmond School for Troubled Children. Uh, the Heritage Schools in Provo, Utah.
2: Close enough. <laughs>
1: Living down the street from Chris, not knowing him yet. And, uh, and I think I had just cut the mullet off that I had grown out in Utah. Nice. And uh, waiting for me was a gift. And it was it was the 12-inch collection called Appetite for Collection. And it was all of Guns N' Roses' music on 12-inch vinyl. And I still have it to this day. It's probably one of my
2: favorite possessions. Dude, that's a good gift. Yeah. I have nothing to clown on you for that, except I, I did zero in on the mullet. But you
1: probably had the same haircut if we were out there at the same time. It's kind of a prerequisite for living in Utah. <laughs> Business in the front, party in the back. I think the kids call it today a mullet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my number four uh, <clears throat> came in 2009. Uh, at that point, actually, still to this day, most of my publications have been um, comic books. And I decided, I, I guess kind of channeling my inner Johnny, I just had resentments of having to deal with artists. Because I'm a comic book writer, and I just got tired of dealing with, with artists. So, I wanted to be a self-sufficient storyteller, so I started working on prose. So, I was writing short stories and uh I was feeling, you know, sending out short stories for publication, people, you know, saying no. And on Christmas day, 2009, uh, a publication, um, it was actually Thuglet came, <laughs> which I spoke about on Christmas said, Hey, we're accepting your story. And it was like, Oh, thank God. Like someone's publishing me. <laughs> I was like, All right, I don't suck. So that, uh, Carried me through probably the next year. So, there you go. That was my number four.
1: Dude, that's pretty awesome. I have nothing to say about that one. Except that you only tend to like uh, publications that you're published in, Chris. I'm just going to point that out. (laughs) 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 All right, coming in at number three for me. um, My dad got me this one. And... I had asked, Chris, and you're going to feel good about this. I had asked for a Red Rider BB gun. Because, I'm not even
2: going to say the line, dude, because everyone knows it. Because
1: you'll shoot your eye out, kid? Yeah. And because uh, I had saw the movie A Christmas Story, and I was like, yeah, I'd like one. My dad's like, oh, I had one when I was a kid. My dad decided to buy me, though, <laughs> a uh, brake stock uh, pellet gun.
2: Oh, the ones you could pump up and make like no, extra. This no.
1: this one you didn't even pump up. It was like it was like just a little bit under a twenty two rifle. It was gnarly strong, like you couldn't shoot a friend with it. You would <laughs> you would you would hurt like you'd kill them, dude like uh, like this thing would rip through things like people would be like oh you got a pellet gun let me see that and they then they'd try it and it would just shred a can in one shot and they'd be like holy shit don't please don't ever point this at anyone like it was gnarly and uh yeah i did a lot of damage with that and it eventually uh, got taken me taken away i think i got in a fight with my brother and started chasing down the hall with it <laughs> we did a lot of we did a lot of a lot of messed up things my brother and i like uh I think my mom came out one time and we were on bicycles and we had broomsticks and garbage can lids and we were jousting on bicycles
2: on concrete. You know what? The thing is with that gift, <laughs> I would not trust that with adult Johnny <clears throat> and sure shit wouldn't trust it with like kid Johnny. You think I'm angry now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All
2: right. So coming into my top three. So my number three gift, uh, this gift. Was given to me Christmas in nineteen seventy nine. Was Kenner's hand Solo DL forty four electronic blaster, and it I was, had
1: one of those. It oh, was awesome. dude,
2: it was fantastic.
1: And it was black. We didn't, Kenner didn't paint it blue and orange for protection's sake. Oh, dude, how they do the toys now!
2: It was fantastic. It made I, a real sound. Yes, it was amazing. But the only thing is dude and this really i have a lot of regrets in life and one of them is that it was probably a year later i was obsessed with battlestar galactica and i had my dad cut no. the sight of the the gun off because you know it had the, to make
1: it look more like the battlestar galactica gun yes
2: and to this day i'm like you little bastard what were you thinking If <laughs> you
1: could go back in time Wow. Well, we should try and find one of those on eBay
2: for you. You know what? Actually, I looked. You can get one for like 68 bucks, and I actually thought about doing
1: it. Dude, I'll cosign that. I'm not your wife or anything, but I'll totally co-sign it. <laughs> <that. laughs> All right. Coming into number two for me, the original Nintendo Entertainment System.
2: Oh, yes.
1: The 8-bit.
2: Oh, yeah. I'll do those fantastic.
1: Super Mario Brothers. Oh,
2: Dude, Mike Tyson's, uh, was it Punch Out? Punch Out. out? Punch Punch Out. out. Oh, dude, I love that game.
1: Blades of Steel. No. Dude, Super Contra, which taught me my first cheat code ever. Up, down, up, down, left, right, B, A, select, start. (laughs) (laughs) And you could get, like, 30 guys. And then (laughs) you play with a friend, and every time you're dead, you're like, oh, I'll get you 30 more guys.
2: Hang on real quick. Oh, dude. I love that entertainment system.
1: Dude, that's the best. And, uh... I heard that they are like they just released the, because uh, the, they did the mini Nintendo yeah. classic edition and they didn't make enough to do the hype. And then it, it sold out because I, I told the kids like, oh, well, I'm not going to wait in line, but I'll get it when I see it. Then they stopped making them and then they just released last week, they released the uh, Super Nintendo mini. And I just read an article that they're going to re-release the, the classic Nintendo entertainment system. Mini. See you know what I, <clears throat> you now you got a, a modded version.
2: Yeah, so my boss, my former boss, like gave me instructions how to make one, and you could just like download the games, and I mean it's cool. Same like controller and everything, uh-huh. but the thing is, those controllers were manageable. Like you had the the toggle up, up down, left right, and then you had two buttons. Yeah, I could manage that. Nowadays it's like you know boom boom. I mean they're freaking i'm playing with jackson and he's like l2 l2 i'm like what the fuck's l2
1: we're gonna get into that it later on in the show chris because uh my recommendation is actually a video game this
2: this uh this month so all right um what you mean one of your five recommendations i'm just doing one little right. cry baby all right uh so my number two maybe <laughs> my number two I received Christmas in 1978 and it was Mattel's Battlestar Galactica Colonial Viper Fighter, which was voted most dangerous toy because apparently, because it had the... The the little red missile. Yes, the missile that you could shoot. And a four-year-old boy shot it into his mouth, choked and died. And so that toy is responsible for all... The choking hazard warnings no, on it's, toys.
1: It's responsible for when I sent away for my Boba Fett figure. It was originally the jetpack was supposed to fire that same missile. And because the little shit swallowed it <laughs> I didn't get a firing Boba Fett missile. It was just like, you know, ornament on the back.
2: So I remember playing and that was the best part about the whole toy. So you could fire it. No, and it fire It did. It did. It did fire kind of far, though. No, it did. <laughs> and my, I remember. I had the same toy. My parents, like, hey, so all of this came out, and they're like, hey, just be careful, like, don't do anything dumb. Be careful with it. And it was like, yeah, 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 no problem. I'm sure I probably shot it in my eye a couple times or my brother's eye. It was fantastic. I love that toy.
1: Yeah, dude. That dude, those toys used to have some balls to them, dude. Yeah. They weren't all just electronics. Coming in at number one for me, and this one by far, the coolest Christmas present I ever got, giant box under the Christmas tree, came from my dad. It was the die cast giant size Voltron.
2: Oh, nice. So it was the five... Whoa, 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 what year? Like, how old were you? I'm going to say 81, 82. I just want to say that I came up with all the years for mine. I think you're kind of slacking a little bit. Um, okay, Chris.
1: <laughs> I didn't know we are supposed to have years, but it was amazing. The five, the five uh, die-cast metal cats, put them together, form a team. And with teamwork, you make one giant badass robot with a gnarly sword. And you know what? Our former guest, uh, Ludog Photog, I know he recently bought that within the last five years. And was like saying, I have the best wife in the world for letting me buy my childhood dream. So, Lou can look at that and know that that is badass.
2: That's a pretty good gift. Yes. Uh, All right. So, this, my number one favorite Christmas gift uh, came to me in 1977. I was four years. Kung
1: Fu Panda wasn't made in 1977, Chris.
2: Yeah. Okay. Mullet boy. (laughs) Um, I woke up, came out, and it was like... Angels were singing and a light shined on this black dirt bike with like a little orange um or a yellow um God, I don't even know what you call it. Um like the little dirt bike uh number on okay. the front hanging off the handlebars. It was glorious. It was glorious. I love this bike. I was on it was this, do- was this pedal bike or dirt bike? Pedal bike, pedal bike. Nice. And, dude, it was like getting your driver's license when you're sick. I was gone. It was just like on my bike, gone, learn how to ride, like stacking uh, newspaper. I'm like, like, Dad would put newspapers in just like the um, grocery bags, stack them up, and make jumps. Nice. Put a piece of board. I mean, it was fantastic. The only thing that ever, like if I ever wrecked it or like it laid down or something, I would scratch it. There would be purple underneath it. And I was always kind of like, wow, that's kind of weird, you know? There's black bike, and there's purple under it.
1: Somebody painted the bike, didn't they, Chris?
2: <laughs> so, unbeknownst to me, years <laughs> later, when the bike had disintegrated, I mean, it was probably... I got like... I'm guessing, you know, a good seven years of riding this thing. It was Punky Brewster's power bike, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> My brother had had this purple schwinn bike, you know, with like the banana seat and everything. And my dad had gotten him that he got a new bike. And so they just refurbished it. And he put like a new seat on it and put new handlebars and painted it. Hey, being a father
1: now, Chris, genius, right?
2: Oh no. It was (laughs) genius. I never well the thing is now I'm just too lazy to do that. I would be like, fuck it. I'm just going to go buy a new
1: bike. Bringing lots of joy to our children at affordable prices. Yep.
2: That's what I'm into, dude. It, I loved it. And I, I was none the wiser. And then years later, I was a teenager. And my parents told me, it was like, oh, yeah, we just refurbished that. And blah, blah, blah. I had no idea. But it was the best, the best Christmas gift I ever had.
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, that's our top five Christmas lists. Yeah,
1: and uh, please come up to us and tell us your top five Christmas list because you're going to do it anyway.
2: So which one? I'm guessing I'm going to get shit for the sleeping bag. <laughs> I'm guessing the sleeping bag. So you Yeah, know.
1: but but then you have the sad story of like, well, dude, you can't make fun of him because that was like his home and shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when he was sleeping in his car in his
1: sleeping bag. You're going to be a dick and make fun of his house, dude? <laughs>
2: Hey, our friends—they will.
1: Yeah, totally. They. We will. look forward. I look forward to it. I look forward to the sleeping bag memes. <laughs> <laughs> we have some talented friends out there. Kingsley's already on it, dude. Yeah, I'm sure. Just make him look like a glowworm, please. <laughs> segment we're going to be a lot of people had talked to Chris and I about this uh, movie and uh, I wanted to find something that wasn't on Netflix so it was recommended to me that uh, we're going to talk about dumb the story of Big Brother magazine skate magazine
2: it so I watched this documentaries released on Hulu and that's the only place you can find it. Oh, no. Good job, Hulu. Because
1: I couldn't find it. First of all, I couldn't find it on Netflix. I couldn't find it on iTunes. And I couldn't find it on the dark web to download I- illegally.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I gave Johnny my Hulu login so he could watch it. We-
1: hey, guys, if you uh, if you would like to watch it on Hulu, uh, just
2: I have Chris's login <laughs> and password. Just, Which uh, I'm probably going to change. Just uh, DM me. Um, we, so it premiered on Hulu in June and my boss at the time suggested I watch this. And so I watched it, I mean, it was probably this summer. Um, and I'm surprised, I mean, I never talked to you about it. No, other people hit me up though, because I did, when this was going
1: on, I like the, the day when this took place. Uh, I was working for black flies eyewear well real quick real quick
2: yes so this big brother magazine so let's tell people what Big brother magazine is
1: okay big brother magazine you back in the day you had your choices pretty much of two skate magazines you had uh, trans world which was the really really glossy good boy clean you know trick 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 ad magazine and then you had Thrasher magazine, which was more punk rock and partying on shitty paper printed and that was your your two choices and then all of a sudden, Big brother came out and you had funny articles, you had lots of boobs and being <laughs> being a young man like that was cool to like look at skate magazines and see other stuff um, so,
2: so when big Big brother came out, it was nineteen ninety two and the documentary goes into stating that during the late 80s, you know, with Bone Brigade and Tony Hawk and all the Christian Hosoi, that the glory days of skateboarding was kind of dwindling. I mean, no, it, it, was, yeah. it was like on the outs, and it was just...
1: <clears throat> it was, was just a fad. Skateboarding yeah. was just a fad. It was done with. And they, they, they skateboard really had some low points.
2: And it... So it was the brainchild of uh Steve Rocco who ran the company, skateboard company World Industries and he got tired. I mean he was edgy and I think he embraced um the counterculture elements of skateboarding. Yes and,
1: and they he uh He wanted to do an ad with with Transworld Skateboard Magazine, and they said, no, it's too edgy. And I think his words to them were, fuck you, I'm going to do my own magazine
2: then. So he kind of channeled his inner Johnny, and out of spite, started his own skateboard magazine. Totally applaud that, and co-sign it. Uh, Big Brother. And so, when I watched this documentary, in the early days of Big Brother, um, that would have been like actually still is probably my dream job that these guys, they had like a handful of these guys that like early twenties didn't know what the hell they were doing. They came together and they were just like, it kind of reminded me of us doing this podcast. We think we're funny and we're just doing it for fun. And it was like, we put it out there and people read it or listen to it. No, well, we, that's even better, but we've
1: we've always said the day that this is, stops being fun to Chris and I, then we will stop
2: doing it. And so these guys got together, and they were kind of led by um, Jeff Tremaine, who started up Jackass, and so what they said about Big Brother it was like, Big Brother was jackass before Jackass.
1: Yeah, oh, and, totally. it was the, It was basically the magazine on video.
2: Yes, and it w- I mean, still is. My dream job. I would do Big Brother and what they were writing. And they had skateboarding in there, but it was... That was just to get them in. That was just... To, basically, the skateboarding was just to bring them in to,
1: to, like... Yeah, here's some skating stuff, but, like, check out all this other stuff that we think's funny.
2: Yeah, and they inserted themselves. They would write articles okay. about themselves. And one of the articles... Like, uh... the
1: Like, skate magazines always had how to... uh. Do a kickflip, how to grind, like all these little how-to things. It was always a standard. So they thought it'd be funny to do a how-to
2: kill yourself, commit suicide. You know what? And I remember, I remember when that came out. It was gnarly. And like, it was the big, I mean, I remember hearing it on the news. And then they were talking about, how could this, how could this magazine that, you know, that is for kids. Talk about how to kill yourself. Yeah. And, but you listen to this documentary and it was just like, even now they're talking. So like Spike Jones, you know, the director of being John Malkovich was on there and who worked for the magazine in the early days. They were, they were buddies that he's even like yeah in hindsight i don't know what we were thinking doing that but at the time i'm sure they thought it was
1: funny no at the time that instead of being like oh my god we're on the news for this they were like
2: oh my god we're on the news for this oh they were stoked um and so all these stories it dude it was a mess I mean, they show the footage of the early days of Big Brother magazine, and they all these young kids. Just a
1: warehouse with skate ramp,
2: and, and- then like this um, one of the one of the guys involved, Earl Parker, who just kind of came from nowhere, and he was super young. That they were like, you know, Jeff Tremaine was talking about, yeah. So we fed him gas station food. Yeah, only gas. He li- a strict diet of just gas station food.
1: Like they would find like. You know, those fluorescent pink snowballs and have them drink oh,
2: fluorescent blue soda. <laughs> and I was like, dude, we did that for like a year. But then the guy's like, no, I still do that in my life now. Yeah, I still live on the gas station diet. But you know, it's funny. So I actually researched Earl Parker because he seemed like he was so instrumental in the early days, like with the writing and everything. And the tone of the magazine. I, I don't even know if he's what he's doing now. Like he just kind of disappeared because a lot of the guys like Jeff Tremaine went on, went on, to, on to do, yeah, to do Jackass and are involved with MTV and whatnot. But Earl Parker, I don't know. He, I mean, he might be dead. I have no idea, but
1: <laughs> I don't think he's dead, but, but yeah, I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like to check out, maybe we'll give an update on him on the next podcast.
2: Um, but all these guys came in and they're like, yeah, well, you know, I never really wrote before and. Uh, I didn't really take pictures before, but, um, you know, whatever. It's kind of what I wanted to do. And they just hacked their way through the wilderness. And then their first issue that came out, which I actually want to find. Was so bad. Yeah, that they put it like, we had no idea what we're doing. So we're just giving this issue away. Yeah, first one was free. Um, So what makes me want to read that issue to see, I mean, God, how bad could it have been?
1: To see how it stacks up to uh, Best Friend of Me is The Raid. <laughs> 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 see, yeah, what, what exactly. Our, see, what our listeners don't know is like the day before, <laughs> we just figured out how to record and get it to play back so we could hear our voices. Yeah, and we're like, let's go. And, and then, of course, if you've heard it, you hear that I erased the whole entire first podcast and we had to sit down and redo it again.
2: I know, and it really... So- I watched, to prepare for the segment, I watched the documentary um, again, and I really did see a lot of parallels with our podcast and just like, it's fuck trial, it, we don't know what we're doing. Trial by fire, dude. We're just going to freaking go have some fun. Um, so I, so was there, there a part of the documentary that stood out to you?
1: Okay. The 20-year-old they thought it would be a good idea to start going on world tours or like town tours. They would pick like Florida and go post up there and and the issues started writing themselves when they figured just going on the road and partying and that dude, that's that's your twenties right there.
2: I yeah, you see you definitely see when they started, you know, the genesis of jackass. When yeah. they started to make films. So they were recording everything. So they're producing content for the magazine, but they were recording everything and just doing dumb shit. Like lighting bottle rockets out of their butt cracks. And all the people that kind of gravitated toward what they were doing, like um, Steve-O, Johnny Knoxville. A young 14-year-old Bam Margera. Yeah. This
1: little kid that you could just see, like, oh, dude, he's got Yeah, all, all these back then.
2: jackass players that started out at big brother and all of them were like like steve-o and johnny knoxville were like well i mean i couldn't skate but i just wanted to be part of it so it's just like i thought i'd just do dumb shit
1: dude and how johnny knoxville made his way into it is he decided to test out all these self-defense things like so it started out with pepper spray in the face then he gets um tased and then he gets um he he goes through a series of these things to all the way to where they drive out, drive out to a deserted road, and he puts on a uh, a bulletproof vest. But it was the cheapest one. He's like the good ones cost like eight hundred dollars. I did not have eight hundred dollars at the time. So he and so he, he bought the one for like three hundred fifty dollars and shot himself in the chest because nobody wanted to shoot him in case it went wrong. Nobody wanted to be responsible for killing him. And I'm telling you, watching that footage, your heart is racing.
2: Well, no, I'll take it one step further. So I even saw the documentary. So I watched it again yesterday. So I know what happens. And I've seen the footage. I was still cringing away from the screen as he was getting ready to shoot himself.
1: He only put one bullet in the chamber, but he put it in the wrong one. So he clicks it once and they're like, nope. You're going to have to go all the way around because so basically it was six shots, you know, it was like Russian roulette. So it was like you just he would like get up the courage and then he'd hear click. And then it would be <laughs> another 30 seconds of him getting up the courage and going click where his friends are like, dude, either do it or don't. Uh, you're, you're killing us right now. You're killing us. And I think his name was JP at the time or something. It wasn't Johnny Knoxville.
2: Yeah, they kept calling. Him. Yeah, it was or some, PJ
1: or something yeah, it was that. like that. I, I was tripping on that too. I was noticing that as I was worried for his well-being at the same time. Yeah, it. Well, um, that's was, the kind of dumb shit people do in their twenties.
2: <laughs> and then so they were doing the magazine, and um, they weren't making money. Um, no,
1: I believe they were losing around.
2: The they C, said the in,
1: CFO said. Just so you know, every time you put out an issue, you are losing $50,000.
2: Yeah. So I, I don't know how long, how they could have sustained that for a long period of time. So I guess Steve Rocco was like, all right, screw it. We're going to fold the magazine. And his friends were like, no. No, 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 no. We can find someone to buy it. So here comes Larry Flint. who comes- loves controversy
1: and comes with a fleet of lawyers.
2: So they buy Big Brother Magazine. And I actually, again, I remember. So I remember that, when
1: that all took that was Dude, that was on the news.
2: Yeah, I think that had to... I mean, that was like the latter part of the 90s. Like, I mean, 98. 94,
1: 95. Really? With Larry Flint? Maybe 96. All right, well. It's Mr. Dates guy. Oh, on this I date, like the I dates. I got my I Christmas like, present. I like...
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like having to contact. Anyway, um... And I remember thinking like, oh, well, that's a perfect, I mean, Larry Flint, he doesn't care. I mean, he let him do whatever. But it's funny. So hearing behind the scenes that these guys were going in like, okay, you need to wear business casual. Yeah. You need to wear like, you know. Colored shirt. Chino's. Coll- yeah. And, and they're like, what? Like. We're skate bags. Dude, this <laughs> isn't. <laughs> what are you talking about? We don't wear that. Um. It is a fantastic documentary. I highly recommend it. And I actually will say that I recommend having Hulu. It doesn't cost that much. It's like eight bucks a month or something.
1: It it doesn't. Yeah. But I pay eight bucks a month for IP Vantage to get my IP address not online when I.
2: Well, see, I kind of try to obey the law, Johnny.
1: I mean, I have a friend that does that and I uh, help support him. <laughs> He's in Africa. So don't even try and come find him. Uh,
2: it's worth it to watch this documentary. I think it's great. And it was I, cool.
1: I can't wait to look at other stuff on Hulu
2: with Chris's ID and password. <laughs> it, But the part that actually stood out most to me, everything that I find cool and edgy is always screwed when like money gets involved. So Larry Flint buys this. And so during this time period, skating takes off again. And it gets really cool. Oh, super and, commercial. So, yeah, Tony super, Hawk's doing Dorito commercials. Yeah, everything. And they touch on this in the documentary. that, So all this advertising's involved and all this money is coming into the surf, skate, snow world. They start but
1: losing the edge.
2: They stopped. Well, and then like all these companies didn't want their athletes being in Big Brother, you yeah. know? And they didn't want that edgy because they would ask like, they have a list of like, questions and they were asking these kids like yeah they had a kids issue but they didn't have the apostrophe on the word kids so people you know they got in trouble again because the questions were like they're asking these like 13 year old kids like hey would you have sex with your mom if you could skate as well as it's like chad Muska and,
1: <laughs> who was the top skater at the time
2: yeah and so everyone shied away and they were pulling money from big brother a, a
1: little eight-year-old ryan sheckler was on the cover by the way Dude, I know.
2: That was crazy. <laughs> and, dude, it's just like money like that. When everything gets so, like, glossy and so PC that it just loses its edge and it gets boring. And there was the demise of Big Brother. And finally they had to, like...
1: Well, the camp split at that point because then MTV started seeing the video. Because Big Brother magazine was also putting out videos at the time, too. Even when Larry Flint, because they put out... They had one video called "Poop." <laughs> Larry Flint, they had Larry Flint saying the word "poop" to inter- introduce the
2: uh, the video. Yeah, so they had I, that, which
1: I owned, by the way. Oh on, no, kidding! On VHS tape, yeah.
2: They, uh, yeah. So the part of them went off to go do Jackass, and yeah. that they, all the glory that was involved with that. Basically,
1: they, the the Big Brother camp you had, and you had. Um, Bam Margera, they had Camp Kill Yourself, C K Y, and uh they merged. They got like an all-star crew to make Jackass. It
2: uh I give it two thumbs up, best friend of me's thumbs up for uh Dom, the story of Big Brother magazine. I
1: give it a Kung Fu Panda roundhouse <laughs> kick to the face, Skadoosh.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, go watch it.
0: stacking head on the chimney, and the presents are under the tree, and mama's in the kitchen, making some herbal tea, the windows are covered with frost, and the candles are all alive, but as I wander through this quiet house, something just doesn't seem right. The neighbors bring us a Swiss colony beef leg. But the neighbors aren't around, around, around. There's no beef love to be found this year. No beef love. Christmas. That is where it's going to be leg Without the cheeses and meats, I don't think I can get along. Mother tries to comfort me. She says, here son, have some eggnog." But I fucking hate eggnog, seriously. But what do I see <laughs> underneath the tree? Got it sweet Calling a for me Ahäääääää Really call and a Baby That a Christmas is all-
1: OK, so, Chris, you know, sometimes when we do our top fives, uh, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. We don't record this show all in one sitting.
2: What?
1: <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I, you know, a couple days go by and we well, Chris and I will text each other like, oh, man, none of us said this one or none of us said that one. And specifically on the top five uh, best Christmas presents. I neglected to say one of my favorite gifts of all time, which is the twelve inch dildo? Boba Fett action figure that uh I still have on my dresser and I see every day. And uh you know what? I'm just gonna try and mention Boba Fett every episode from
2: here on out, Chris. And I'm totally gonna ignore the dildo
3: insertion. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Chris has lost it. We're uh,
1: do, we're doing a night session right now.
3: We're on the night train is. So
2: basically,
1: yes. <laughs>
2: Fucking night train. Uh so essentially when Johnny and I get a hall pass from our wives, it just means we, we can record at night. Yeah. There's nothing cool or whoopity doo, welcome to <laughs> Sobriety. <laughs> so you are going to introduce our guests? Okay,
1: well we have a we have a special guest today. He is uh Coach Jeff Harrison at from the art of jiu-jitsu academy and he is a purple belt but as chris and i like to call him hashtag fake purple fake purple belt because this guy knows more terminology than a black belt
2: (laughs) actually i'm kind of anticipating you getting your brown belt this week i'm gonna be totally (laughs) honest with you you this is my prediction you and max We'll get browned up this week. Well, oh, Max should get one for
3: sure, dude. I really hope Professor Danny. <laughs> yeah, gives, I hope so. Gives Max a <laughs> that'd brother. be cool if they did it on Friday, like right before Danny's last yeah, like class. He that's gives what Max hoping. his brown
2: belt. Well, oh, if he does it tomorrow when I'm not there, hey which guys, is a fi- hey, we're talking about Don Patrol. You just shut up <laughs> um, and sit there. Don't talk about most Dawn of Patrol. our
1: listeners don't do <laughs> <so>. jiu
2: <laughs> Actually, I think they might.
1: Yeah. Well. I know we have more listeners than we do friends, Chris. (laughs) So that makes it four.
2: (laughs) All right. So Johnny, Mm -hmm. I'm flying blind right now with this segment. I don't even know what we're talking about. Okay. Well,
1: we had Jeff come on because uh, I got, I really didn't read comic books um, when I was younger. And I know Chris, you have a lot of experience. You've, you've written for comic book companies. Yes. And uh, when you talk to the, talk about it to me i just kind of stare blankly
2: you glaze over and
1: i'm like words i'm all like, do they make a movie of it
2: it's kind of like when you talk to me about the, <laughs> do they make the, a
1: rated r movie of it <laughs>
2: it's like when you talk to me about um rock star music ingredients you know and i'm just like eyes rolling into the back man okay jack cool take the touring chris <laughs> <laughs> no and actually coach jeff um Incredibly knowledgeable of comic books. And but I get
3: the impression you're kinda new to the comic book world. Yeah, well it took a huge hiatus. I mean, when I was really little, there was a couple shops. I grew up in Orange and uh in Orange County, which is kinda weird. I grew up in the city of Orange in Orange County. And uh there was a couple shops there. One was twenty first century comics. That was probably the main one I went to. And it was down on Chapman Avenue, kinda near the circle, but a bit further down. Okay. And um, it was like two stories and huge. And this is probably the early nineties. Okay. And, um, yeah, cause I don't remember that when I went to Chapman right there, I don't remember a cool comic book shop. This yeah. Is- I just remember like at that point, cause you're a kid, you're mostly picking stuff based on the cover. You know, you don't really, the content is not as important, I guess, as like what it is now. But then you get in high school and like, for me w- embarrassingly is like, you kind of start to worry about, uh, comics aren't that cool. And I don't want to like get, you know, whatever, like we're so hyper aware of being cool or whatever. So then I like didn't read comics. And then what's kind of been cool is like now in my thirties, I just, whatever I like, I'm willing to say what I like. So like me and my wife, we go to Disneyland I like to read comics. You know, I do jujitsu. I roll around in my pajamas as my friend non-jujitsu friends <laughs> call it. Yes. You know, snuggling in pajamas. <laughs> with other dudes. <laughs> but, well, I just want to say um, you're really good at snuggling and you snuggle me unconscious most of the time. Well, I love snuggling with you too, <laughs> <laughs> Fake purple belt. <laughs> fake. Hashtag fake purple belt. But <laughs> what got me back into it is I think like right around the time I got married, which was like four years ago, we went on a honeymoon and then I I read the... One of the Mark Miller Wolverines. Okay. Yeah, which yeah. one? Which is the one where the movie where Wolverine goes to Japan.
1: Oh, I love that one.
3: This is <laughs> perfect. Johnny, you'll love this. <laughs> this is what ba- loosely what it was based off of was this particular story arc, which yeah. is where uh, Wolverine goes to Japan. And then from there, I kind of started reading a bunch of classics, like a lot of Frank Miller stuff, like his arcs with Daredevil. And then, of course, like the Batman stuff that he's famous for. And then, of course, you have to read, like, Watchmen, right? Yeah. And then, like, stuff like The Killing Joke, which you gave me to read.
1: Wait, that the the Joker one?
3: Yes, another.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Johnny's back in the conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's, like, a tourist, and he has, like, the camera and yeah, the Hawaiian on the shirt. Convert, uh-huh. yep. Yeah, I actually heard that uh, Jared Leto is
2: trying to get that made into a movie. That right would now. actually be good. If You know what? If they went dark, if they went real dark with it well I that mean, one
1: is pretty dark i don't I mean see like rated
2: could... r dark dude joker would be terrifying like
1: see and what i wanted the reason why i really wanted coach jeff here is we we're on a a total nerd uh text <laughs> feed with uh it's chris coach jeff myself and nick the tooth and if anyone ever would have picked up one of our phones and just looked at what we talk about during the day. Pretty funny.
2: It is pretty embarrassing.
3: It's, it's a lot of, we, you know, we we all take turns getting our nerd card revoked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone each day is getting bullied for no, yeah. it is. what it's, they like or don't like.
2: You know what? But the I, only one who doesn't get bullied is fucking Nick the Tooth. Yeah, he kind of jumps on, jumps off. Dude, uh, he doesn't get really... We don't light him up. I think that needs to well, change.
1: Well, I... That's where the flying cars came from.
2: <laughs> well, the what?
1: The flying cars from your your, uh, your teens movie. Yeah. Well, anyways, one mm-hmm. day you guys were going off on comic books, and I was like, "This is." See, I could see Chris lighting up, get all excited about comics. I'm like, "We should bring Jeff on, so you guys can talk about comics." Because unless it's a movie, we, I got nothing to talk about.
2: See, the thing with Coach Jeff, though, is it. <clears throat> You know, when people find out and you're like, yeah, you know, I've written some comics and they start like throwing down their nerd knowledge on comics and I'm listening and like, oh, shit. Yeah, he knows way more than I do. <laughs> like, yeah, I concur, Coach Jeff. Oh, fuck, dude, I have never read
3: that. <laughs> like, so no, you, you, have some, you have some good comic book knowledge. He's the new era. Well, I feel like I only, I mean, I only know a couple things about a couple writers or a couple characters, really which I I guess is probably true for most people. You kind of get into your character you like or you start to follow a certain writer and then you kind of read all their stuff or you, to, to kind of like get off that point for a second. I also find for myself, I'm super picky. If I think a character should look a certain way, like if I pick up a Wolverine book and I don't like the way he's drawn, I won't read it. Really? Which is super. I know that that's like I've other people have had that same reaction. They're like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah." If I don't like the way the character <laughs> looks, if I don't think he's drawn appropriately, <laughs> I share. Which is, is so horrible. snobby. I'm like, "How dare you draw Wolverine like <laughs> Dude, that?" That's actually. I've never heard anyone say that. That's crazy. Because you, in my mind, Wolverine looks like the '90s, right? Like, so a lot of cross hatching, super hairy. When he had longer hair. You know, and like the chops. More bristled, I guess mm-hmm. is the way I would describe them. And then like but right now you have a lot of old man Logan. So if if there is Wolverine, there's either the new Wolverine, which is X twenty three. Right? Mm-hmm. Or it's old man Logan. Because Wolverine is dead. So Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> it's from from twenty four months ago. Uh <laughs> but so it's like in the same thing. Like even now it's kind of funny cuz now I've been reading so much Old Man Logan. And that started with the Mark Miller series. Who's Mark Miller's amazing. Um but then that's how I got into Jeff Lemire, like all his stuff because he re- he started doing Old Man Logan during Secret Wars. And yeah, you you love Jeff. Yeah, yeah, him and Sorrentino together are probably my favorite combo period. And he's everywhere right now. Yeah, Dude, and he's got so, so hot right now. He's so hot right now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, and now I've even started to get that way with the way old man Logan is drawn <laughs> because the, he's in like, they'll have him in the new Wolverine series and then they'll have him in like X-Men gold right now. And so they'll feature him and all this other stuff. And it's always old man Logan and everyone has their own take and seeing and this is a horrible thing to admit, but I mean, I really follow comic. I mean,
2: when I first got into comic books, it was Superman, everything, Superman. And then I realized I started picking up on God, this writer, everything he writes, I freaking like. So then it quickly became following writers.
1: I like the one you had me read for the podcast.
2: Brian Michael Bendis's powers. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. That See was, he and was actually, good. dude, this is one of those types I shared it. I mean, I was so blown away that I shared it with my wife and son that I woke up and this is I don't know, two months ago. Brian Michael Bendis has worked at Marvel for nearly twenty years. I mean, he's just their guy. And two months ago, it was like Brian Michael Bendis signed an exclusive with D C and I was like oh, mind blown. Like <laughs> I'm like, guys, Brian Michael Bendis just signed with D C <laughs> and they're like Who? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I'm completely blown I mean I can't wait. I mean he's gonna I'm tackling Batman or I mean, all these characters that he's gonna be playing with. He's, I'm going to buy them all.
1: He seemed pretty edgy. I hope he brings that to those series.
2: Oh, dude, they're going to let him run free, I would think. but So the other conversation we had, and I try to share this with people, that we, in my opinion, have the best comic book store in Orange County, California. I've never gone into the store that they didn't have what I wanted. I mean, I don't understand how this guy's still in business, and he's been around for 20-plus years. But it's comics, tunes, and toys in Tustin, California. And it looks dinky. It's like in a little strip mall. You wouldn't even think that, you know, there was anything special. And you go in, and it is, it's is—it's like a hoarder. He hoards everything comic books. Amazing.
3: I've made the mistake a few times of going in on a Wednesday. And for those of you that don't know, Wednesday is new comic day. And there will be a line out the door. And you'll see, like, the hardcore comic readers... And they're there every Wednesday and they're picking up a stack of, I mean, I'd say 10 to 15 books minimum. And they're buying quantities of books that allow them to do things other shops can't do. Because what happens is if you're buying a certain number of copies, you can get the alternate covers. And so comics, tunes, and toys, they're getting more alternate covers than anybody's able to get. So you got, now you got collectors, oh, I got to buy all four versions of the cover. You know, and they're able to have. They must be selling so many comics. And every time I'm in there, I hear the owner on the phone like, "Oh yeah, bring him in. We'll buy him. He's like buying old copies or people's collections or. Dude, yeah, he there
2: was so I went in on a Wednesday and it was the, um, it was the issue that Captain America, died. Um, so this I don't know it was three or four years ago, and it was mayhem in there and. So, Marvel will give if there's like a big event like that, they'll without spoiling it, they're like, Hey guys, you're gonna want to order a bunch of Captain America 14, you know, wink, wink. Yeah, and so they had tons. And this guy came to the counter and he had a stack of like 50 of them. He's like, Okay, I want to buy them. And they told him he couldn't. It's like, No, dude, max is like four. And there were people behind waiting to take the issues i mean the guys sell so many freaking comics it is amazing i've never gone in there and asked for
3: anything that they didn't have it i if, think i've only had a, oh i'm sorry johnny i
1: Go was ahead. just gonna ask you guys if you guys could own one comic that you don't own already be it for price or for whatever reason what would it be
3: oh, great question chris uh, Do you know your answer? Yeah, I know my answer. Go ahead then. Okay, so in the 90s before Todd McFarlane went on to do Spawn, he did Spider-Man number 1 and he was doing the art and writing, I believe. I believe so, yeah. And there's something about that cover that re- it like transports me back to the comic shop as a kid. Like I I look at that cover and then I I'm like I'm there. So if I could have, I've, and they've reprinted it and you can buy like the reprint for like $1.99 or whatever, Yeah. but it would be rad to have an original like of the Spider-Man number one. And then another thing about that and Todd McFarlane's art, if you're familiar with Spawn at all and how he uses all the chains everywhere, you know, and if you look at the comics, especially he, like he, he puts chains all over the page, you know, they're like almost like they're disembodied or, or doing their own thing. And that's the same way he treated the webbing for Spider-Man. And reading the comic now as an adult, I looked back on it and I was like, wow, he, he was doing the same thing with Spider-Man, but with the webbing. And then he did it again with spawn, but with the chains. So that's my choice. I would have to say, cause I remember seeing, I mean, God, I was
2: 11 or 12. What really got me into comic books when I was a kid was, um, Frank Miller's the dark Knight returns and then our comic book, a little dinky comic book shop, um, in Logan, Utah, they had, they put out the hardcover trade of the Dark Knight Returns, and it was signed by Frank Miller, and they were selling it for like 500 bucks. And I remember at that time, that amount of money was like, what? Like, who could afford that? And it was in the counter, under the glass, behind lock and key, and I would look at that every time, like, man. oh. So I would take that, because I think it just is like the magic of... You know, I was, I mean, that's
3: all I had, like it was comic books back in those days. So yeah, I would take that. That's definitely one of those books. Like I always, I always think about what's a book you could give to a non-reader that would make them a reader. And I think something like, you know, who killed retro girl is a great example of that, especially for an adult, because they don't think that the writing is going to be what it can be. In a comic book. I agree. And that. so, like, something like with Batman Return, or pardon me, Dark Knight Returns, or maybe some of the other, like, Frank Miller stuff from that era, or maybe some, like, Jeff Lemire stuff from now, or, like, you know, Donnie Cates, or, like, stuff like that, or Mark Miller, like, Jupiter Legacy, and stuff like that, that can, like, tell people, like, oh, this is way different than I thought it would be. Like, when they think comic book, they, they kind of cast it off as something for kids, or that the writing is, you know...
2: Oh, do, no, they don't. Oh, man, I've had people. Oh, you write comic books? <laughs> do do you guys like, want to know
1: my comic book if I, that I could get? It'd be Superman, the first issue, because that thing's worth a shitload of money. <laughs> and, I, and I would buy other stuff besides is it, comics. Is
3: that even what it's called? It's called like action comics it's or action something? It's action comics, yeah. It was the first.
1: Uh, Nicholas Cage owns that. I think he just sold it, though.
3: And a Tyrannosaurus Rex skull. <laughs> yeah. And a haunted house in New Orleans.
1: Oh, dude, I've been there. Yeah, I took I, the ghost I, tour, I the tour, and they're like, this
3: house is owned by Nicolas Cage, and, and there was dead people on then the he walls.
1: And out. he found out that, about it, and he never went back to the house again.
2: There, I still... And, that, and that's terrifying, but what was more terrifying are those photos of him dressed up as Superman. Super creepy. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. Yeah. The, I remember seeing those in like no, like, this code red. This cannot move forward. Oh, it was
3: horrible.
1: Hey, there was a time he was the hottest actor on the planet.
3: It's amazing to think that, you know, that almost happened. Tim Burton almost made a Superman film. And you know what's crazy? So they have a documentary
2: that talks about, like, what, you know... God, I can't remember the title. I wasn't prepared to talk about this. But it essentially talks about what happened with that film and why... I mean, dude, you had... Nicholas Cage, who was a lister at the time, Tim Burton, you know, and the movie still couldn't get made. Um, what was Kevin Smith writing a movie for? Hold on, say was, that again. Was
1: Kevin Smith uh, was either writing for a, doing a Batman he, or a Superman. He wrote the script. He and a he, tells, he
2: tells he tells the story of I've like seen
1: that story.
2: They had he go like he did his like a spoken word tour or something, and he talked about he read the script. That this guy had written for the next superman film Absolutely. and he had a friend that worked at uh, warner brothers and he was like dude this script sucks like and let me tell you why and his friend listened to it. it's like hey can you come in and like tell my boss that story um okay so he went in and okay tell him what you told me and he goes in and tells him how it's horrible and what they should do and then they said hey can you come back and tell my boss that story.
1: <laughs> and maybe write it down. And it was like, he
2: said he had like four of these meetings and he was just like, no, I'm just telling you why this script sucks and what you guys should do.
3: And well, then and he the- was speaking on behalf of like comic book fans. Oh yes. Yeah. He's I mean, uber knowledgeable. So yeah. he Dude. was basically like, you know, if someone mistreats your favorite character, and he was basically saying, "Look, you're you're, you're basically gonna be, you're fucking this up," you're, and they you're were like in it. that
2: script, they were like, "Hey, we don't even want to see him in his Superman costume," and like yeah. just people who don't aren't familiar with comic books trying to make a comic book movie.
1: What did he did? Didn't he do like Batman sixty five or something? What?
2: I mean, stuff that he's written.
1: Yeah, but didn't he do like a?
2: He did. Now, I mean, he's been writing. He's done a slew of stuff for Marvel and DC. He'll kind of just go in, but his stuff—he did some a Batman arc that was amazing. Um, he did, he did uh, like Daredevil. He did a run Daredevil and Electra and dude, he's—I mean, he's a fantastic writer, and he obviously loves comic books. But he's come out and said, so he wrote that script, but he's just like. I would never direct one because I'm just not a special effects director. It's just, that's not what my...
1: Hey, Chris, you know what I love about comic books? That sometimes I make them into fucking bitching movies. <laughs> so let's talk about what. Uh, oh. what is your guys' uh, favorite comic book that's been made into a movie? What
2: Ooh, is... Oh, man, I was not prepared for this question. Because you said initially, what's your favorite comic book movie? So I had an answer for that, but a favorite comic that was turned into a movie is now the question. Yeah, well Chris
1: says two things to me. He he says that I never listen and <laughs> and the second thing is some other bullshit. So <laughs> Yeah, hey, that was funny.
2: That was funny. <laughs> All right. Well, go ahead. Favorite comic book that was turned into a movie. Okay. So, oh gosh, actual comic favorite, book. Favorite
1: favorite comic book movie. It Doesn't okay. have to be your favorite comic book. Favorite well, comic book. Well, that's book not movie. what you said, dude. Okay. Well, I'm saying it now. Okay. Write me Well,
2: then I will. I will answer. Okay. Go ahead, Chris. Unbreakable. Ooh. And so you and I were talking about that. I just made my son watch that film. He doesn't trust me with films. I don't know why. I've never like. I don't think I've ever led him astray, but. I made him watch the film, so I watched it again like two weeks ago. Dude, that film is great. Like, I think it is the perfect slow burn origin story. It doesn't have, I mean, you have that fight scene at the end, but it's like minimal. I mean, but it's just this, it's a character study. And I think it's completely underrated. Looks like
1: we're getting another one too. Yes.
2: And I'm a, I'm a little afraid though that that's going to be like comic booky like they're all what I love about unbreakable that they're going to lose it. But I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic.
1: There was, there was kind of a reveal at the end of the, the first one that
2: yeah um, tied yeah. it
1: all together, put a little bow around it. And then I was like, Oh, and then when you watch it a second time, you're like, Oh, this is really, really cool. Mr.
3: Jeff. That's a good choice. I was almost going to pick that one. Dude. I love that film. It's really good. I mean, just that weightlifting scene. Whew. Dude, that's the best and the kid just
2: gets further and further away you know in that film it plays like an indie film it's like small in scope
3: it's almost like a noir it's, like, Dude,
2: it's such a good film underrated all right okay i'm not used to you liking something that i picked <laughs> yeah. no that's
1: really good <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I backed
3: Ooh. your pick 100 on that one that's great. a great choice,
1: chris we haven't even heard what you said but i assure you we don't like it <laughs> 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 i i got one if you okay
2: you'd. go ahead johnny
1: Um, I'm going to go with Logan that I actually saw with both of you guys in a theater. And let me tell you why. Logan was
2: really, really fucking good. Uh,
1: I, I turned 44 tomorrow and. Oh shit. I forgot.
3: I was going to get you a hooker. (laughs) Do you have the same birthday as Professor Danny? I do. I was going to get him a
2: hooker too.
1: (laughs) And that's how you get a purple belt. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, anyways, uh, Logan, I can really relate to. i dude, I hit my knee on the coffee table the other week. And I'm still feeling it, and it's just the part about getting older. And uh, you know, he, he Wolverine was fucking the badass for so long and regenerating, and the fact that he started breaking down and he couldn't do it as much, and it was rated R again. Another another good spot for me. Uh, I just thought it was I thought it was awesome.
2: That would definitely be I would man, it would be in my
3: top five for sure. Loved but, it. Yeah, it was a good film. It's perfect. Yeah. it's really really good. Especially being someone I love, all the old man Logan stuff. And uh, I'm really hoping Patrick Stewart gets a Best Supporting Actor nod. That would be great. Just
1: hearing Patrick Stewart cuss was a treat. Dude, I love (laughs) Patrick Stewart.
3: He's the best. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with something from Dark Horse. Hellboy. I love Hellboy. Uh, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman.
1: I heard they were going to remake that. No, they are.
3: They're doing a total reboot.
1: Is Ron Perlman
2: going to still no, play? No,
3: it's the guy that plays the sheriff in Stranger Things. You know what? Have you seen the photo? The yeah, photos? I saw oh. the photo.
2: Dude, he looks like Ron Perlman.
3: It's crazy. Why like, not? Hey, he guys. looks Why
2: like not him. get Ron Perlman to come but back ca- and just redo it then? <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, I'm kind of surprised they didn't, just because, I mean, with all the makeup and everything, it's not like, well, he's old. Well,
3: he's they still been... yoked as Yeah, I think they had been trying to, like, Jeremy term. del Toro and Perlman had both been fighting to do because I guess del Toro had a third one like in the box, like knew what the plot was going to be. I'll get closer to the mic, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess they, you know, because Perlman had been doing all this social media stuff like, hey, let's get Hellboy 3 made, and you know, but I guess they decided to go another route and now they're gonna do a full reboot of Hellboy. Which like I can grumble about it, but that actor will probably be great, and I'll probably go. See, I will go see it anyways, and it's supposed to be R rated, so Johnny's in. Dude, down. See, and I have to. I know the screenwriter. I do love film, Hellboy
2: too. So. Andrew Cosby. So I have to say that this is going to be fantastic. I don't
3: remember the name of the director, but I remember reading that the director has done some really good stuff. Yeah, so. and
2: actually, I think that'll be. I think I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. It's going to
3: deliver. But Well, Coach Jeff, thank you very much for coming in Are we going to do a favorite TV show? No no, It's okay, we don't have to do it
1: I think you nerds sucked up so much time with your we did. With We're sucking comedy. Johnny's <laughs> blood out of his body
2: Well, and I also have to say That my wife just left um, Today on a business trip So um, I have some masturbating to do <laughs> I was going to say We know the first five minutes is going to be crisp But what are you going to do with the rest of your time? Go to sleep <laughs> Drink Gatorade <laughs> <laughs> I just
1: I got <laughs> to replenish my electrolytes. I've lost so much fluid. <laughs> I just
3: stand in front of the fridge and drink out of the bottle. My wife won't let me do that. No
2: one can stop me.
0: Uh,
2: drink straight out of the carton. Being sober and married's lame.
1: <laughs> I love
2: it. <laughs> oh sh- Well, I don't have to worry my wife's not going to listen to this. <laughs> All right. Well, um
3: Jeff,
1: you're such a good guest that we'll probably have you come back next episode.
3: So maybe uh, I can do a top 5.
2: We're going to challenge Jeff is so
3: and I'm just going to heckle you
2: bitch. How you yeah. like it now? That he, choice sucks. Chris, he, I I believe
1: it was Chris, Chris saying I I have a new top 5 and coach Jeff said, "Well then I assure you I don't like it already."
2: <laughs> your your list list suck. So
1: we'll see how uh we'll see how how uh Next month's Triple Power Top 5 Time Travel Movies.
0: You This is Manic Hispanic saying, Feliz Navidad. If you're going to be doing taquila shooters and smoking mota, don't make things heavy. Don't drive the Chevy. did? Santa got run over by my Chevy. Cruising back to my house Christmas Eve. For me and all the homies We believe La fiesta Epitias Mi abuelita Cooked all day Chicken mole And some three bars And a fridge full of cerveza Por I had way too much Tequila And I didn't Feel so good I don't know is called out on my whole there's no good just got run over by my Chevy going back to my house this Christmas Eve. you can say there's no such thing as Santa as for me and all the homies we
1: believe um now it's the time where we do our recommendations but before that um we we really were going to do a top 5 Christmas movie um list but Chris you really hate
2: uh you really hate my Christmas movies don't you all right let me just <clears throat> and I've gotten into a couple arguments with people recently over this oh there's a shocker <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surrounded by idiots all right I'm just saying that right now and not that my wife's an idiot but she loves this movie I'm gonna bring up one one Christmas movie I don't get I hate it. I've never liked it. I think it's stupid. Christmas Vacation.
1: Okay, and that's my number one Christmas movie of, of all time. Of course it is. Of course it is. Elf is number two. I Christmas hate Elf, movie. too. I don't like that either. Dude, how could you not like Christmas Vacation? What's your problem with it? Um, That uh, is the... Dude, that is the standard to, to put on. All right. On Christmas Day. It's not Christmas without watching that at least once a year.
2: Same thing with Elf. So, I think my my major issue with it is i don't like i'm not a fan of chevy chase i'm not i just don't get it dude i don't think his humor his shtick just does not work for me
1: i don't like chevy chase i don't
2: like andy kaufman i don't get it i don't get it (laughs) this coming from a guy whose whole life is based on resentments (laughs) and spite uh dude i i would be hard-pressed To think of any movie that Chevy Chase is in that I like. Caddyshack? Vacation? Don't like Vacation. I don't like the Vacation franchise. Dude. I don't like it. I don't get it. It's just, I've never... Yeah, he got a little weird later on in life, but like, dude, those movies are classics. See, the thing with Caddyshack is I feel that he was in it, but he wasn't the main thrust of the film. I do like Caddyshack, but... I don't know, dude. A Christmas vacation, it it feels like... It. Even for Uncle Eddie? You don't like Uncle Eddie coming on? No. Dude, and the freaking squirrel uh, um, and the tree and uh, the freaking lights. And the and and, old
1: grandparents. And, and, the,
2: and the freaking neighbor. Dude, it's just, I don't... And my wife and her family, I know it's a beloved film. I mean, I know that people love this film.
1: If I, if I, I don't see the movie, Chris... It's not officially Christmas.
2: See, I, didn't, I hate that film. Now, Christmas Story, on the other hand, is a nearly perfect film.
1: Um, except that it's kind of boring when you watch it uh, oh. later on. Like, no. I, I have a soft spot for that movie. I do like that movie. But, like, it, it doesn't play well to to kids now. Like, my wife's like, you can put it on, but the kids are going to be bored. And they get bored as shit, and I have to turn it off every year because it's... Dude, really? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, my wife doesn't like it and the kids don't like it. I love it, but. Oh, so we came up initially. That you just were the target audience when that movie came out. And so was I.
2: Dude, that is a great.
1: You attach memories of your youth
2: to that movie. It was amazing. It still holds up. But then also I like, um, it's a wonderful life. I do too. I mean, that's, that was on my, going to be on my list. It's classic. I just do not Christmas vacation and elf. Don't like them. Like completely tone out if they're on and people are watching them. It's just. uh. Well, in case you're wondering why we didn't do a top five Christmas movie list. Well, this this isn't called best friends. It's Mm. called best frenemies. That's right, bitch. So we don't have to agree on everything. Like I pull guard. You (laughs) never pull guard. Nope. I like to
1: smash and pass. You like hair. (laughs) I don't like hair. (laughs) Okay. Well, moving on, let's get into some recommendations now. Uh, I'm only doing one this week because Chris cries, but I whoa, will Whoa, be- whoa,
2: whoa. I recall Coach Jeff said, why does Johnny give like three recommendations? Oh, dude, is
1: Coach Jeff your like spotter? Does he go to the gym <laughs> and tell you you're doing great? <laughs> Anyways, let me get in my number one. Just for this, this podcast. I'll be back with more. Don't you worry. Um, I'm going with the second, the second uh, number two of Star Wars Battlefront is- Amazing now the first one that came out. They didn't have a single-player campaign So I was very excited to play it and then what I saw happening was is I would wait to get online and I you know Be Boba Fett and I'd be flying around in my jetpack and then 30 seconds later I would be dead because I suck at playing video games as much as I like them but it wasn't a lot of fun for me and the whole part of the video games that I love to do is I love to do the single player campaign. If I get stuck, I go on YouTube. I watch the walkthrough. I beat that section and I say to myself, I never have to play that section again. This is awesome. And uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2, what do you think? You you have it in your house too.
2: I do. Um, my son is a gamer. And I've watched him play Battlefront 2. It looks great. He loves it. He says it's way better than the first Battlefront. Oh, dude, let me tell you about the storyline. It takes place
1: right at the end of Return of the Jedi when they blow up the second Death Star, and you're an elite stormtrooper, and and uh, she sees the, the Death Star being blown up, and she goes, like, I, will, I must avenge the Lord Emperor. So she, out of spite, again, Chris, driven by spite, um is going to defend the honor of the emperor and there's literally points of the game where you board like a rebel ship and they are running away from you down the halls banging on the door like at the end of rogue one when darth vader comes in like the best scene of rogue one spoiler alert (laughs) and uh and they're screaming like oh they're coming after me open the door and you get to kill those guys and you're like i feel like darth vader right now this is badass
2: I uh, So with Battlefront, the first one, I'd play my son. So we'd play against each other. And dude, it was just embarrassing. <laughs> and I mean, he would snipe me like, how the hell? Where are yeah. you? How did I die? So I have not played back, And I, too, am horrible at video games. I mean, anything, you know, after Dig Dug, yeah yeah it's questionable <laughs> it's questionable where that can play if, if i
1: can't shoot fireballs out at you and go to and go down in a pipe then i'm probably not going to be that yeah that's not
2: going to be that good dude
1: but um, you know what chris i have a challenge i say best out of five you and i play online against each other
2: oh dude that'd be hilarious
1: and i don't know who's going to win this one dude, I, it, uh,
2: you know what the, the thing is we should
1: I, film it because it's probably going to be you and i chasing each other around not knowing what button to hit
2: Actually, we should hear the commentary, running commentary <laughs> from our kids.
1: <laughs> what are you doing? It'll be the sound of hands slapping foreheads.
2: Yeah, pretty much. All right. So my recommendation um, is a book. Uh, I typically do not read nonfiction. I'm a fiction guy. Um, and I, I like the idea of like short stories but I always read, like, three of them, and then I stop and I start reading an, a novel. Um, this book is nonfiction, and it's a collection of 12 essays by David Gran, who is a writer for The New Yorker, New York Times. When when were you in this
1: one, Chris? What? When were you in this Wait.
2: <laughs> <laughs> took me a second dude i wish i was in this book (laughs) uh the book is called the devil and sherlock holmes tales of murder madness and obsession every one of these essays which were previously published from i believe it was 2000 to 2009 in like the new yorker and new york times um the atlantic uh are amazing. Every one of them is amazing. And I actually read recently that four of these essays have been optioned for films. Um, they are so, let me, uh, there's one in there where there's a Marine biologist who's trying to be the first person ever to capture a giant squid and grow it in captivity. Amazing story. Um, there was a Polish detective investigating whether an author planted clues to an actual murder in his novel. Um, a fireman who suffered amnesia on nine eleven is trying to piece together what happened to him on that day. Um, and then one, I mean, amazing, uh, essay is about a school teacher who's attempting to prove that a man about to be executed for a deadly fire was really innocent. Every story is amazing and compelling. Um, I highly recommend this book. Nice. Yeah. So that was my recommendation. And, uh, so we, ha- go ahead, Johnny. Did you see the green room?
1: Did you see who's out there?
2: So, we've had a controversial guest. I've had we've had some feedback um, <clears throat> about this guest. Some people like him. Some people don't. Um, I'm just a, trying to give him a job. So, but I'm curious because we haven't heard from him for a while. Johnny, how is Sebastian doing?
1: I say we just. I'll go... He's watching uh, Donovan right now, but I'll go get him. All right. You can talk to him yourself. Yep. All right. Are these my headphones?
2: Those are your headphones, Dave.
1: Okay. What's up, bitch? (laughs) Fanny pack. Fanny pack. Is this thing on? Yep. Okay.
2: Your levels are good. Your levels are good. Thanks. I mean, are you comfortable with your lips being that close to uh, that protruding... uh,
1: I'm all man. I'm just as God made me, Chris. What's up? (laughs) So, uh, we haven't talked to you for a while
2: since you came in with uh, your... Nancy? Yeah. She's so hot. So, you guys still together?
1: Dude, we're still... uh, Dude, this morning, I I totally open mouth kissed her. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I'm all man. You're all man. Yeah, sobriety's going good. I'm off to the... Mike and Ike Zowers how long, for now.
2: How long has that been now?
1: It's been about 45 minutes. <laughs> I love my sobriety. <laughs> I had
2: to do some more research with uh, Spike and Mike Zowers. Really? All right. So it's still bad out there? Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about something else. All right. Um, so do you have plans for Christmas?
1: Yeah, I'm going to watch uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh, God damn it.
2: <laughs> God damn it. So I actually i really want to ask you because i'm super curious what is your favorite christmas song i'm guessing okay here let me guess can i guess um yeah go for it um is it uh george michael's um
1: last christmas
2: yes yep it 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 escaped me no rest in peace
1: georgie (laughs) No, it's actually, that's a good question And you know what, this one's a banger And I fucking play it in August <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I like it Wow, this must be a really it, good one Have you heard of a group called the B-52s? I have heard of the B-52s You know what, got me a Chrysler, it's as big as the whale <laughs> That B-52s yep, yep, Yeah, the man Fred Schneider has his own band I can't remember the name of it But um, he has a Christmas song And it's called Fruitcake. Well, dude, take us out. I'm going to take you out. You guys have a wonderful, blessed Christmas and a gay new year. And, dude, make out with as many chicks as possible. Just open mouth, kiss them, rub the boobs,
2: do it. (laughs) Um, You know what? I'm going to tell my wife I'm going to do that. (laughs)
1: Nice. Well, okay, let's take them out, Fred. Have a good one.
2: Yeah. Merry Christmas.
4: What you making? Fruitcake! What you baking? Fruitcake! Candy cherries? Red dye number two! Green cherries? Green! Pecans or walnuts Citrus peel Lots of stuff Add what you feel Sticks of butter Cinnamon Mo molasses Lots of dark rum Artificial color Artificial flavor if your family don't want it, give it to a neighbor. It's fruitcake. It's fruitcake. What you making? Fruitcake. What you baking? Fruitcake. Candy cherries, red dye number two. Green cherries.